Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is John Peschel. Thank you for downloading today's episode. Each week, I will be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. It's a podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. On today's podcast, I sat down with my friend Tiffany. Tiffany is a new teacher mentor working with special education teachers. We talked about the challenges that new teachers face and what a typical day for her looks like as a mentor. Tiffany shares a model called the collaborative problem-solving model when dealing with students with challenging behaviors. She also has some excellent advice for both new teachers and veteran teachers alike. Enjoy today's episode of My Friend Tiffany. Today, I am joined by my friend Tiffany, who is a fellow full-release new teacher mentor um, with me, Um, and I have had a wonderful year working with Tiffany, and I can't wait to talk more about education. I know a little bit about you and your educational background, but um, every time we talk, I feel like I learn a little bit more. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We will just start a little bit. If you can share about your educational history, where you went to school, what other professional experiences you've had that have led up to your current role. Sure. Yeah. So I actually grew up right here. And I did too. Yes, that's right. But um, we, our paths really didn't cross when we were younger because you're a little bit younger. So yeah. we didn't go to school together, but we, we both grew up here. Yes. And now we're back teaching here. Yes, exactly. So after graduation, I went to Whitewater um, and got my undergrad from there in special education. And then I went and I taught for a year and a half in a small town, kind okay. of outside of Whitewater. Okay. Um, and... Got my feet wet there in kind of like a cross-cap position at a intermediate school, a 4-6 So your building. degree is in special education? Well, my degree is actually in learning disabilities. So oh. when I was got my degree, they didn't have cross-cap yet. Okay. So you, you chose your area of disability you wanted to focus on. Mine was learning disabilities. Okay. Okay. And so your first so, job, what age? What it was a 4-6 school. Okay. An intermediate building. Mm-hmm. So I had fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. How and many students in your case look? Do you remember? I mean, ten probably. Okay. Ten ish. So that's a big. That's a big caseload. Uh huh. I think compared to, I mean, it, it's kind of on par. I think what what now most yeah. teachers have. But yeah. As a first similar. year teacher, how did having how did having ten students with individual education plans? How did that feel? Yeah, it was a lot. I was super excited because I got a job right. and they gave me this gigantic <laughs> special education classroom as big as a regular classroom. So that I doesn't got to, happen. No, that was yeah. unusual. Yeah. And so I just remember going and sitting at my desk and like taking my picture at my new desk and decorating, going and getting like all my borders and right. putting my bulletin boards up and all that. Um, so that was super exciting. And I did have a really great... Um, like mentor, so to speak, um, 
<clears throat> more like a building buddy, but she helped me a ton that first year with everything. New teachers um, need that. They need yeah. someone, whether it's a formal program like we have um, right now, or just that <clears throat> buddy across the hall that you can go to with big and little questions. Yeah. Yeah. So she helped me a ton and she, um, so, and I, I also had a, a new teacher. We had, did we graduate together? Maybe I can't remember, but she was right across the hall and she was like my regular ed counterpart and we were oh, both in our first year. Okay. So she also, I mean, we kind of just did it together and it was cool. It was so how experience. long were you there? A year and a half. I came, I graduated in just like in December and I was lucky enough somehow I don't remember how it went down but they hired me in January for the end of that year and then I stayed one more year there before coming back home yeah coming to where you are now and then talk to me about the the jobs that you've had in our, our current district I've been in one elementary school the whole time so for 15 14 years 14 at the same elementary school so, you know, that definitely feels like my home um, up until, right up until this year when I left to become a full-release teacher mentor. But prior to that, I've done special education in that one building for, I've taught at every level except for fifth. I never okay. did tackle fifth grade, but K through four, I've Did done. you have a favorite? Favorite grade? Um, I liked third grade a lot. Um, I liked third grade a lot and I liked kindergarten. Really? Yeah. For different reasons or the same? I would say different reasons, I think. Right? Yeah. So the kindergarten, they're so cute and little. And um, their first experience at school, right. it's really, really cool to be part of, you know. And parents sort of hand off their little babies to you. And not only their babies, but their babies with, like, all these complex needs. Because when they're that young, they typically present. And if they have an IEP that young, there's usually something. Um you know, that they're needing um, help with. So it's just extra hard for parents, right, at that transition time. Um, and then third grade is just cool because there's such a jump from, like, second to third, and all of a sudden there's, like, a huge increase in independence, and they just become more socially aware, and it's cool that way too. Yeah. So after 14 years, mm-hmm. the same building, maybe even the same classroom, um, you – decided you wanted to try a change I did um so what did that feel like kind of like going from where like you knew the building you knew the staff you knew the culture and community Uh and those unwritten rules of an environment Mm -hmm. to wanting to try something different so maybe start there like like what was it about the position or why did you even like go for it to begin with right because you did have to interview. I mean, we'll get to that. Oh, but, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I had worked with a couple new, like, new-ish teachers, kind of that sat in a desk right next to me. Um, and I watched them and sort of the challenges and things that they were faced with. And I felt this pull to, like, want to support them and really be there for them, but I also had my own full-time gig going on. And so I felt... You were busy. Like, you couldn't give them your full-time attention. Yeah, and I just I started thinking, like, wow, classroom teachers have this mentor that, you know, helps them through every little thing, but special ed teachers really don't. And I felt like 
that was a need. Um, started those thoughts kind of started going through my head and then a position came posted and like, I don't know, toward the end of summer, middle of summer, um, that there was a mentor position open. And so I reached out and just asked if it was an option, like, would they even consider me if I applied? Cause up until that point, there hadn't been any special ed mentors. Right. Um, and I was told that, yeah, go ahead and apply and we'll see what happens. And so I did. And it turned out well, it turned yeah. out in my favor. And yeah, yeah and that's, I was hired on. That's when we really got to connect to this over this year as you've been yeah. learning this this new position. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is something, uh, a challenge for first-year teachers that you have re-noticed <clears throat> this year in your work? Yeah. Um, I guess there's just, there's such a uh, array of things that a new special ed teacher needs to know. Like in addition to teaching, like that's what we think of when we think of being a teacher, we have to know how to work with kids and teach kids, but there's so much more to that from the paperwork to dealing with. I mean, we've talked a lot this year with my new teachers about the kids are easy. It's the adults that can really be tricky from um, assistants to parents to administrators um, and trying to navigate some of those adult relationships. And that could be hard for a new teacher in the profession to navigate through. Absolutely. Because um, they don't necessarily have, they haven't really like earned right their respect from all members of the team and they have to kind of prove themselves a little bit. Um, but yet still take on this leadership role on this team of people as, as a case manager for a student. So it's kind of, it can be tricky to figure out how that works. And then let's also remember that we have to figure out how to teach these unique little students and what works best for each one of them. It's so different. Right. And, and new teachers, their bag of tricks, they have some tricks that have worked for them or that they've learned about, but um, they don't have the experience of making mistakes and trying right. and exploring with new strategies like veteran teachers do. Do you feel like you um, work on instructional strategies much with your brand new teachers? I We do. We do. Um, I don't think it's to the same level of, and, and I also think it depends on what year they are, like in our mentor program. So I'm finding that in my first year of doing this, that the year one teachers were really doing a lot of, um, a lot of more of the nuts and bolts of the things that they have to be prepared to show up professionally and present to, to teams of people about this, like through an IEP meeting. Um, so kind of like those kinds of things. But then as the year has gone on and we've kind of gotten through some of those pieces, we've been able to do more with instructional practices. And I think especially my, my hope and anticipate that year two, we'll be able to really dig in a lot more. Right. You work with new teachers in their first and second year. So many of the teachers that you started with this year, you will Mm -hmm. continue with next year and um, help them grow even more in that second year. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So talk to me about, um, what this year has been like for you. You went from a 
school, uh, you're working with kids all day. So like, what does your day look like now? I know every day is different, Mm -hmm. um, but how would you describe to someone who doesn't really like know what you do? How would you describe a typical day? Yeah. So my, my calendar, my Google calendar is my best friend (laughs) because it is different every day. So I literally look at my calendar and it, it tells me where, which school I'm driving to. So I drive, I support between six different buildings, kindergarten through high school or elementary through high school. Um, and so there's, there's a fair amount of travel time and, um, otherwise it's meeting with these one-on-one meetings with teachers, um, inside their classrooms, um, problem solving or talking through whatever it is that they need to, they need support through. And then, um, in addition to that, it's getting in and spending some time with them and their kids in their instruction and, um, helping them navigate some of that too. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of all over the place. Right. Yeah. Just I, like working with kids, right? Every, every teacher is different. Every, yeah. uh, every, all the work that you do with different teachers is a little bit different. Yeah. I've gotten used to eating lunch in my car, right? <laughs> so I don't, I mean, it's different. It's mm-hmm. nice in the spring. It's not so fun in the winter. But, right. Yeah. yeah. And cold, wet, rainy days yeah. or snowy days. It's not, not a great job with all the travel. But, I know. Yeah. Uh, otherwise it is kind of nice to get out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about teaching okay. and teaching tips. Yes. Um, so you've been teaching 15, 15, yeah. 16 years, mm-hmm. right? What would you say is a teaching tip that has worked really well for you and your students in your classroom working environment? Mm-hmm. Um, when we were out um, at our new teacher um the training we took out in California. Yeah, the symposium. The training. symposium. Yeah. yeah. So the one person said relationships, relationships, relationships. Yeah. And um, when it just really resonates with me that I think that through all this, through all my time as being a teacher, um, keeping those relationships with the students, it was is just huge. So um, no matter what, no matter what challenge or whatever, whatever purpose or you know, outcome you hope for to have with your student, you need to keep that relationship and, and establish it, um, really solidly. And it's just going to help you as you go along the way. So, um, I just think it's the foundation to anything you do with kids in education. So what are some things that you've done to, um, help form a strong relationship? And then what are some of, what's some of the impact that that work yeah. Yeah. I think being real with kids, I think kids know when, when you are genuine and when you are not. And it's really just taking the time to get to know them and learn about them, not only their school life, but there's so much more these kids bring, um, that if we took the time to get to know the whole student, um, their families, what they like to do outside of school, um, what they had for dinner last night. I mean, it tells us, it tells us so much about the kids and we can use that to, to help us in trying to reach them and pique their interests. But the other piece too, is being like opening up, I think yourself a little bit too, so that the kids really know who you are and, 
you know, some of your story and can hear what you had for dinner last night or just taking the time to have those, those like everyday, just sort of like real check-ins and um, just staying connected. I think that's so smart how you shared that. I've thought about um, my work with new teachers over the last few years and how, um, how we need to let kids know about us Mm -hmm. um, and how that can help with, with relationship as opposed to um, I feel like maybe some teachers feel like if, if they know more about us, they won't see us as authority or in charge. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the more we let them in on who we are as people being real, what we like, what we don't like, Mm -hmm. the more they do respect what we have to say and um maybe we'll work a little bit harder or make the day a little bit better for them i think so i think so and when those hard moments come which they will um you you lean back on that relationship you have with that child and they will they will jump through hoops for you and with you um but but they really i think need to feel like like you care and that you truly are, I think just being genuine is so important and um, yeah, just taking the time. Yeah. Some teachers I think want to kind of be a little bit more <laughs> private about their personal life mm-hmm. and I completely respect that, but mm-hmm. I do think that there are things that they, they would feel comfortable talking about with kids that by bringing some of those things up, uh, mm-hmm. it can be really helpful for relationships. I've uh, worked with one teacher actually where we made a T-chart and it was things that I want to stay private and things that I want to share with students. Oh, that's and it was a helpful strategy to kind of think about like, they don't need to know if you're dating someone. Oh, they don't right. need to know um, like where you live. There are some things that should remain that can remain private mm-hmm. if you choose but there are other things about your personality or about memories that you had in school or what you like to do on the weekend that can be shared and that will help with that relationship. Yeah, for sure. And one of my new teachers this year, my first year teacher, has this phrase that he says, um, I, something like, I will never ask you to do something I won't do. Or, you know, and it's, that's his like motto through everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I won't sit and do w- with you. Right. Which I think is really cool. So when you model that for kids and, um, it's even like, um, helpful with like understanding that we are all different. Right. And so some, it's okay to have different, you know, ideas, likes, dislikes. And when you model that and you're really open and honest, it's like really cool for kids to just see that. But I do think, um, I do think, yeah, like there's boundaries, right. That adults need to keep with kids and where, how much you share and you don't share. But, um, when I taught fifth grade, um, the students used to love to play basketball with me Mm -hmm. because I have no basketball ability whatsoever. And I think it was great for them to see me as a beginner at something and them as an expert. And um, I had to be comfortable with it too, which I was like, it was, it was fine Um, by, by fifth grade. Many of them are at my height or a little bit taller. Uh And so, um, you know, it, 
I think it's good sometimes that we show kids that we're not experts in all things and we open ourselves up and maybe are a little vulnerable in that. Totally. Yeah. And that goes along with all the growth mindset that we hear about now and try to work towards right. that we learn from mistakes. We're all learners. We're all, we're all right. Right. Learning and as we go. Well, up until this point uh, in our conversation, I've kind of led the conversation yeah. and now I would love to kind of flip it a little bit and I'd love for okay. you to lead a little bit about something that's really in your mind and in your heart when it comes mm-hmm. to education. Mm-hmm. So what would you like to talk about next? Um, so in, I've really think about and spend a lot of time thinking about kids with challenging behaviors and, um, it's something that's so prevalent for every adult, I think in any school that we all encounter in some way. Um, and the kids really need us to kind of figure out how to best handle them. Because we're we're they're presenting with more complex um, challenges, and I, I don't know that teachers are keeping pace with the tools and strategies to support them. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I, that's where I'm at right, right now. So that's where we're gonna go next. So yeah. tell me about um, some of the new <clears throat> learning that you um, are receiving right now around that dealing yeah. with challenging behaviors. I think mm-hmm. our our talk about relationships play into that, For but sure. you're learning some different steps and different strategies mm-hmm. um, that are kind of new to you that you're excited about. Yeah, yeah. So I've been able to be part of a district leadership team um, around the, it's called the CPS model, and that stands for Collaborative Proactive Solutions. Okay. Um, and also, it's called, sometimes it's called collaborative problem solving. Okay. Um, right. I, I think it's called both. And um, so it's it's this model that was developed by Dr. Ross Green. Um, he wrote um, Lost at School. Um, Which I have heard of. I haven't read, but I've heard of that book. Yeah. Yep. And what it, the basic premise or the, really, it's built on this idea that, um, two sort of frames of mind when we think about kids. And one is that kids do well if they want to, um, which implies something. And the other side of it is kids do well if they can. So when you think about those two statements, like one of the first things we've done as a leadership team is kind of grapple with those two statements because they really mean different things. And depending on which side you believe will depend on what you do about it. So if you are of the mindset that kids do well if they want to, then you spend a lot of time trying to make them want to. So you do a lot of incentives and consequences and punishments. And um, that's that's sort of one side of it. And, and Dr. Green is of the mindset that kids do well if they can. And that's with the understanding that um, kids present with, with lagging or lacking skills. And just like we teach to academic deficits, we need to teach to um, emotional behavioral deficits too, instead of sort of punishing them when they when they don't have them. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's, it's a different, it's a different mindset. So was this a change for you? Were you, did you kind of start off on that side that kids do well if they want to and make this shift? Or do you yeah. feel like you were always 
somewhere else in that. So I I feel like I don't know if it's as black and white as he as he believes it is, and I still don't know that I. So I think there's a continuum of okay. of kids. Right. I think that sometimes kids act up because they want to act up, right? Like there, I just think there's times. I don't know that it's always so black and white, like I said, but um, I definitely when I started thinking about it thought no I do believe that kids do well if they can like what what kid wakes up in the morning and decides I'm just gonna be a royal pain right. in everybody's butt right. today because I want to right generally kids don't have that um so there's some there's something that's getting in their way from being the best person they can be and so our job is to figure out what that is and to help them problem solve um how to how to go about fixing that. And so the, the term collaborative is really the idea that it's the adult and the student working together to come up with a, a plan right, to fix a problem that's, that they're having. That's fascinating. So when you talk about a plan, um, are you focusing more, can you kind of go a little bit deeper into that? Are you focusing mm -hmm. more like on an individual incident or are you focusing on like a pattern of behavior mm -hmm. and working towards working through that with mm -hmm. students? Mm -hmm. So, um, as adults on this student's team, there's sort of like some, some brainstorming that happens ahead of time and adults will go through this form. It's called the LSOP, um, assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. And it, it basically is a list of, of um, different skills that the child may, may not have. So um, difficulty um, managing or staying emotionally regulated. Um, so I can't think of it off the top of no, my head. No, no, I get what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So then you decide as a team, yes, this student has this. And these are the incidents when we see it. He has difficulty um sitting in one spot during morning meeting while the teacher is leading the class right or something so you get to some really specific situation you get a whole bunch of them and then as a team you sort of prioritize a couple and then the next step so that's all kind of like pre that's right. all the groundwork and then the adult sits down with the child and says something like, I've noticed that you have a difficulty um, staying on your bottom when Mr. Smith is talking right. during a morning meeting. What's up? And the first thing then you're, you're moving into empathy step and you just are, it's, you spend a lot of time. We've spent a lot of time working on the wording and making sure that it's stated in a way that's not going to sort of um, trigger the child so that you don't want to like bring something negative up and then he gets all upset. And um, But after you get this really well-worded pro unsolved problem, um, you go into empathy with, with the child and the idea is to get their, their sort of side of the story or their take and they'll share with whatever it is that they have to say what their concerns are with that. Um, so that's the first step is you, you have this 
discussion and you just listen to the student and you do a lot of reflective listening and you um, really try to get a really clear clear understanding of what the child's perspective is. Um, and that's really critical. Um, and for, let's be honest, a lot of students don't have a lot of that, right? Where some adult is really sitting and listening really carefully to their side of their story and then saying it back. So I hear you saying that you feel like blah, 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 right? Right. Because they, they might not also have some of that um, reflective ability yet. Right. They might not know how to kind of process through some of that. So mm-hmm. doing that with an adult can be helpful. Mm-hmm. So once you've done that work with the student, what do you, where do you go next in this protocol? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, when you say the student hasn't had a lot of opportunity to do this reflective, like thinking through yeah. this whole process from start to finish is actually the teaching or the intervention is this discussion you're having. So you really are teaching the child um, how to reflect back on a situation and pause and um, sort of get themselves grounded in, well, what was I thinking or what it, what is my deal with that? You know, um, so after you have a really clear um, idea of the child's concern, then um, it's the adult's t- turn to say, well, and the thing is, my concern is, that when you're leaving morning meeting, you're missing hearing about all your friends, all the learning they have to share or whatever it is, whatever the adult concern is. So it's this child's concern, the adult says what their concern is. Um, And then you move into invitation where you say, I wonder if there's a way that we could both get your, the student's concern met and the adults met. Right. And then you open it up and then the child has sort of first, first take at what a possible solution would be. And the only two criteria is that, well, it has to be, it has to meet both concerns. It has to be able to do that and also be realistic. It has to not, um, create then another problem possibly right so there are some things but it's just and there's no idea is a is a bad idea anything that's presented will be considered against those two criteria well does it meet your concern does it meet the adult concern yep it does okay we try it and then if it doesn't work we always come back and we try again sounds like this really focuses on uh, I'm, I'm hearing elements of the growth mindset mm-hmm. work Mm-hmm. in this, um, as well as PBIS within this. Would you agree that those are, are kind of pieces of yeah. this kind of work? Yeah, I think so. I think it's being, it's really explicitly sort of modeling and um, scaffolding how do, how do we solve challenges that we face every day? And it's not, you're not doing it with the child. I'm sorry, you're not doing it to the child. Right. You're doing it with. You're doing it with a child. Right. right. I love flipping that language there. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, you know, we work with a lot of teachers. Mm-hmm. And as I hear this, I I totally understand how helpful this can be for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but we often will hear teachers say, I don't have the 
time Time. for this, right? Mm -hmm. That's not a shock. You, you, you know that teachers will think that. What, what would you say to that? Yeah. Well, that's a reality. Mm -hmm. That is a reality. And, um, when we think about behavioral interventions, this is probably something you're going to use with more of your, um, in, in, the protocol as it's as it is as um, defined as it is probably with more like a tier three type child where you've really tried a few other things mm-hmm. um, and you're just not seeing the results right and so this is kind of the next thing to try when you don't know what else to do but that being said this general idea of you know being an empathetic listener to kids and hearing their side of the story. Um, it can be time well spent because it goes back to, I think that relationship piece where if you take the time to talk to and listen to the, to the child, it's going to pay off in the end. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you so excited about this new learning? Why is this an exciting idea for you? Right. I think that, um, I think that, well, I'll just say it, any new learning is exciting, you know? And so just the fact that I think it sort of validated some ideas that I already have of what, what you do when all else fails with kids. And it's sort of like commonsensical in a way, um, that you need to really, take the time. I mean, we have to slow down. We have to slow down and take the time to do this work with kids because they're coming to us with a lot more complex, challenging. They come, you know, we have kids with trauma. Um, and if we just keep doing what we've always done and be kind of the unilateral, um, we're just going to keep getting what we've always gotten. And we need to have kids start to take some control and, um, take on some of this so that they can then like generalize it throughout other parts of their life. Right. If people wanted to learn more about this, um, is there a website? Is there a book? Where where yeah. could just people learn more about? There's a really awesome website called Lives in the Balance. Okay. Lives in the Balance. Lives in the Balance. Okay. Yep. And that's... Um, That's Dr. Ross Green's website, and it's just has a ton, I mean, a ton of resources. He has several podcasts to listen to, um, just a lot of resources, handouts, articles. You can read um, case studies from different situations. Also, I mean, it's used in schools, but it's also used in um, with families a lot. So as much work as he does with schools, he does in his practice work with parents in the same model. So even as a parent, there's just a ton of resources out there. Yeah. So before we end today, Tiffany, I would love for you to answer these two final questions. Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for someone who's entering their first years of teaching? And what advice do you have for someone entering their last years of teaching? Yeah. Um, First years of teaching, um, my advice is to take risks. And really don't be afraid to try new things, um, ask questions, admit if something doesn't go awesome, and admit when you need support and seek that support. Um, Because all of those things are signs of being a reflective teacher. 
And, you know, to put yourself out there really shows that you are, are willing to learn and grow and that, that you want to. And, and let's be honest, none of us have this figured out yet. Right. So we're all learning as we go. Um, I think that's such great advice. I think, I feel like the interview process to get a job is mm-hmm. kind of set up to tell me how confident you are and everything you know and how you have it all figured out. Yes. And then I think we forget to let teachers switch once they have that job to be like, it's okay to not know everything and to use your resources and to learn more and be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that as it's so important and it yeah. took me a, a while to sort of I always I would sit and sit at a PD and just assume that everybody knew but me right. and then I'd sit there <laughs> quiet enough and someone would raise their hand and ask the same question I was thinking and then I started realizing you know that this we all are sort of in the same boat and it's okay to put yourself out there and be really be really real with where where are the parts that you really could have some questions and want to grow. Great advice. So what do you have um, for those ending their teaching career, maybe in their last few years of teaching? Yeah. So I was thinking it's kind of the same. I want I and I think it's a it's more challenging for veteran teachers to do that, to take those risks and put themselves out there. Um, I think that it's important that, you know, we trust in our wisdom and our years of experience, um, but also to just know that we should continue growing and, and challenge ourselves to sort of put ourselves out there. Um, because I think in some ways it, you feel like you've been doing this long enough, we should have it figured out. But I mean, if, if we had all the answers, we would be probably sitting on some beach somewhere, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> With a cocktail in our hand. <laughs> so no one's got it figured out. We're all in this together and we're just going to keep learning together. Wonderful advice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you, Tiffany, for joining me today and having this conversation. I feel like I know you a little bit better yeah. and I love uh, the work, the new learning that you um, are having right now and I'm anxious to hear more. So thanks so much for awesome. joining me on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast. Send me an email at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like the show on Facebook at My Teacher Friends Podcast. Please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember, celebrate and nurture every child every day.